You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, we got a new twist to the food poisoning story with Michael Jordan. Oh, we need another episode here of The Last Dance. Have this story for you coming up here. Dan and the Dan and Dan Patrick Show. Mike Florio will join us coming up. You've got some teams opening up facilities in the NFL, but not everybody is. And is that an unfair advantage? We'll talk to Florio about that coming up. Got a poll question. It's basically for clicks. Is that right, McLevin? Absolutely. Who would you rather have as a teammate, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? 53% went MJ. Yeah, I I want LeBron to be my teammate. It depends on what kind of player you are. If you're a shooter, you want to play with LeBron. Yeah, McLevin. You would fit right into that Paxson, Steve Kerr role, yeah. 6'3", white guy. You could have played with Jordan. Yeah, but he might have punched me or something, I'm guessing. LeBron would have been a little bit nicer to me. LeBron would have been dishing the ball a little bit more to me than Mike would. I mean, understand, Kerr and Paxson, we talk about, oh, Michael would dish them the ball. Eh, check their stats. They didn't have that many shots. Just saying. They hit a couple of big shots. They weren't, hey, got to work. It wasn't like they were Ray Allen here. Yeah, Fritzy. If they were teammates, as LeBron was saying, they felt like he could match uh, nicely with him and mesh with him. Could he handle Jordan in his face? I don't know how much Jordan was in Pippen's face as opposed to the other players on the team that had a more secondary role. But is LeBron tough enough to have MJ in his face if they were teammates? I'm guessing LeBron would have been close to his level as Scotty was. Therefore, there would have been mutual respect. It's, it's guys that are role players. They're, those are the guys that Michael picked on. He wasn't picking on Scotty. He was going to pick on guys that Scott Burrell, Steve Kerr, Bill Wennington, Bill Cartwright. He was picking on secondary players, but I don't think he would have been picking on LeBron. How LeBron would take that, that would be interesting. And would LeBron say anything to Michael? If they're of similar age, is he going to say something to Michael? But I don't, you know, those I, I can guarantee that LeBron or Michael would have said something to LeBron more than LeBron would have said something to Michael if they were teammates. And I don't look at this as a weakness because, you know, people have followed up by saying, don't you think that LeBron shows his weakness because he's saying he would want to play with Jordan as a teammate? No, he was asked about that. All he's saying is, how would I fit in with Michael as a teammate? He said I would be an upgrade over Scotty, basically. And that's true. He would have been an upgrade over Scotty Pippen. They would have meshed. They would have been fine. I don't look at this as a weakness and say, oh, yeah, LeBron, he couldn't handle it on his own. He wouldn't want to beat Michael. LeBron's not saying that. But I do think if Michael was asked the similar question and said, how do you think your game would work with LeBron? Knowing Michael, he would probably say, I don't know how it would work, but I would rather be playing against him than on the same team. Because that was the mindset back then. You didn't join teams. Now you join teams. Hey, I want to play with you. Back then you were like, hey, this is my team and that's your team. And that's why you had great rivalries. It's not, hey, let's be bird and magic. They wanted to go against each other. That made them better. Nowadays, hey, I'd like to play with you. Can I play with you? Yeah, come on over. Play with me. Back then? No. No way. Uh, So that's the result so far from the first two hours, that they would uh, rather play with Michael Jordan than LeBron. Yeah, McLevin. I mean, that team would be impossible to cover. If you had MJ and LeBron coming downhill at a defense, 
that wouldn't be fair, right? I mean, it's not Wade and LeBron. I mean, MJ and LeBron would be. Yeah. There's just no way they would win. Wait, there's no way that MJ and LeBron would win? I mean, it'd be so unfair. It wouldn't oh, even yeah. be. It wouldn't even be. A well, that, no, that's not the Unless point. The Warriors. No, yeah, that's not the point. Yeah. I feel like I, I was just picturing the two of them. <laughs> Imagine having to match up defensively against LeBron and MJ. Well, it was hard enough matching up with, uh, you know, Michael and Scotty, let alone you put LeBron out there. All right. Sunday night last dance revealed that Michael Jordan's infamous flu game was no longer the flu game. It was food poisoning. Jordan apparently was uh, throwing up after eating bad pizza from a local pizza joint. So as the story goes, five guys delivered a pizza to Jordan late at night. This was the Park City Pizza Hut. They made the delivery there. And uh, you had the manager, the assistant manager, Craig Fight, I believe is how it's pronounced, F-I-T-E, He was on uh, 1280 The Zone in Salt Lake City. And he maintains that there weren't five guys. First of all, how many pizza places would have five guys employed at 1030 at night? You might have one or two delivery guys, maybe one or two people. Did they close down the store and say, come on, we're going to Jordan's room? There's not five guys going to Jordan's room. Security would never allow that. Mike had security with him all the time. And then they're going to go, hey, got five guys from uh, Pizza Hut. All right, yeah, come on in, guys. Come on. Although, you know, Jordan and whoever else was in there, Tim Grover, his trainer, said five guys. Feels like we had our story all wrapped up here. Hey, guys, five guys came, delivered a pizza, right? And I got sick from the pizza, right? All right, that's good. Well, uh, the uh, assistant manager, he said the uh, crap story, the guy said that there was five people, there were two of us, and I didn't even have that many people working at the time, at the store, there was just two of us. Um, So he had been hired as an assistant manager a couple weeks earlier, and he claims that everybody knew uh, that the pizza was being delivered to, but not specifically who. So everybody knew who the pizza was being delivered to. So they knew it was going to the Bulls Hotel. They did not know it was specifically going to Jordan. Which, how would you know that? It's not like Mike got on the phone and went, uh, yeah, I'll hold. Yeah, I'll hold. Um, yeah, I want a large sausage pizza. Thin crust, please. And, uh, yeah, I'm in room 722 uh, under uh, Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh, Okay. Sounds good. I don't know what Mike's alias was. Uh, So the pizza guy said they got a peek into Jordan's room, saw people playing cards at the time of the delivery. Jordan gave the delivery crew a wave in thanks, according to the uh, manager of the Pizza Hut. And that was it. Um, That's as far as the exchange went. Uh, Fight said after venturing through security checkpoints en route to the hotel room. You have security checkpoints you're going to allow five people up there? No chance whatsoever. Uh, he said that there was uh, 100% certain it wasn't food poisoning or it wasn't that pizza. Yes, Seton. You know, it's weird about the wording there. It says, uh, Fight said he got a peek at Jordan in the room, saw him playing cards uh, at the time of the delivery. Mm-hmm. Jordan gave the delivery crew a wave in thanks. Mm-hmm. 
Would you refer to one guy as a crew? He said it was two guys. Uh, so two is a crew instead of see like a crew to me says more like five guys. See, and it's called two live crew. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, but that's not because it's two guys. It's because they're two live. Just stay with me. Come on. And also, you know what I think is great about this, too, is that then does this story prove that the brown bottle flu game uh, is a myth where he was out partying all night and was really hung over during the game? I mean, if this guy saw him in his hotel room playing cards, then you would assume that then he did stay in that night and wasn't out all night partying. I don't know. It feels like he was either in Vegas. Then somebody said he's at Robert Redford Chalet. And then I guess he was at the Marriott in downtown Salt Lake City. How many uh, delivery guys in downtown Salt Lake City right now think they're the person that (laughs) delivered the pizza to Michael Jordan? (laughs) And taking credit for it, too. Yeah. Yeah. I knew this job at Pizza Hut was going to pay off. Yeah. I delivered the pizza to Michael. Do I think five guys deliver the pizza? No, I don't. Did he have food poisoning? I'm going to say no. I'm just, I would say probably not. Maybe they got the pizza delivered after they got back from Vegas, but before they went out for the rest of the night. And then went to the chalet. It's actually all of them. They're all the same. Yeah. The last slice coming up on ESPN. (laughs) Deep dive, deep dish. Next. Uh, Why would Jordan... (laughs) the best why would jordan lie about this you'd already made it home free well, it with the flu game like seen said he may not be lying like the, the pizza may not have been doctored but he could have gotten sick but from why the not stay with the flu game it sounds so much better than food poisoning you're right like the flu because nah, the flu game sounds like you were out partying all night all of a sudden you got a one-day flu mm. really okay mm. yeah but then there was the food poisoning you're the only one who got the food poisoning because you spit on the pizza that's mm. more believable, though. Food poisoning for a day getting a stomach no. bug is way, way more believable no. than I had the flu. No. LeBron would have shared the pizza and gotten everybody sick. That's true. Yes, because he is a facilitator. See, Jordan's selfish. I'm going to have all the pizza. I want to have. I want the only one to have food poisoning because that'll help my legacy here. Because then I'm going to torch the Utah Jazz. Why did they send two guys to deliver the one pizza? Well, they probably were like, you know, fanboys and, th- and thinking, hey, we got a chance to, depending on who's this going to, maybe we uh, is going to, the assistant manager is going with the delivery guy. That's why I'm like, why are you sending, why can't the delivery guy just go? Right. The assistant manager probably said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over there. Maybe it's going to Jordan. Five guys. I can't believe five guys would. How would security allow? Just imagine Michael. Security with him 24-7. Right? I'm surprised that anybody got up there. This is Utah on the road, and you're going to go, yeah, we're going to let five guys come up here? Five guys to deliver a pizza. That doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, for two. And I think McLovin mentioned it yesterday. How do you know just the right things to put on pizza or anything to not kill somebody by accident or make them <laughs> slip them into a coma that's just enough to give them a, a small dose of food poisoning? <laughs> what, what ingredients does that entail? I don't, I don't know. The amount of it. I don't know how this works if it was like spoiled cheese. I don't know. 
And Fritzy would to a fight, and it was like, uh, like, oh, what happened? You got beat up. You're like, yeah, it was like five guys. They just beat the crap out of me. You're like, nah, it's more like two. Oh, do you, well, do you think it, it felt more like five guys? Do you think it takes away if if it's only two guys who tried to poison you instead of five? <laughs> like it took a starting lineup to try to poison me. <laughs> they were running a two man game on me. Come on. You were already, we, we had already moved on the flu game, the infamous flu game. Oh my God, the flu game. We were there. Now it's the food poisoning game. Yes, McLovin. There is no way he wasn't at Robert Redford's restaurant. No, Matt, no, no. It was a chalet. When no, a restaurant. It. I looked it up. That's, it's an open public restaurant at the top of, right near Park City. You can go there. It's not his house. Oh. Uh, so Gukas, Matt Gukas throughout, and you know Matt Gukas is one of the most honest men we've ever met. Yeah, he's a former NBA analyst. By the way, he got some FaceTime. How was that guy, the color guy for all the NBA in the 90s? He was like a borderline player. Oh, I know. I know. I was told Jordan was in Park City. That, that I can only tell you, and it was three people who told me that Jordan was in Park City. That's all I know. All I know is... You better do a better job the next time around with Jordan. <laughs> yes, Eden. That's the one thing, actually, that I learned from this, is that when you hear Jordan was in Park City, you're like, whoa, how did he get all the way out there? And then you find out, oh, it's only like 30 minutes no, away. No, it's not far at all. Oh, it's like right over the mountain. Yes. You can just go drive oh, there. You okay. can be there. And <laughs> when the director was on with us, Jason Hare, yesterday, he said Jordan was staying on the outskirts of Salt Lake City which sounds like Park City to me. <laughs> Just saying. Paulie, get in your truck and start driving and then do some research out there. Check in from Park City yes. and check in from Salt Lake City and then drive right back. Uh, it's great. It just goes along with Jordan. Jordan the myth. Jordan's toughest opponent with the, a pizza. Yeah. And even then, he out pizza the hut. <laughs> Or something like that. He out, yeah. Oh, it's such a good story. Not believable, but it's a good story. Yeah, Paul. If I'm a PR guy at instant uh, for Pizza, Pizza Hut, Hut, I do a fake lawsuit against Michael Jordan and his people. <laughs> kind of just put it out there that we're considering suing. Yeah, but then you don't want people to be mad at you. Defamation. Yeah. Well, the Jordan fans, then they're going to be mad. They're, they're going to boycott. Sign LeBron as your new spokesperson. Oh, yeah. Bring it all together. It's going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah. Well, maybe Shaq says something. Can Shaq do something? Because he took over for Papa John, right? Did he? I think he's, yeah, Shaq. Shaq doesn't get paid to endorse a product. He, be, he becomes part of the company. Like that general you know, stuff, Shaq's part of the, that's, that's part of his company, I think. Yeah, the whole Papa John's thing. It's like they got rid of Papa John. And uh, I think Shaq slipped in there. Peyton Manning, he tapped out too, right? Yeah, as soon as it got hot, he bailed. But he had all of those. Well, yeah, when Papa John was saying what he was saying or doing what he was doing. And Peyton had all of those franchises, I think. He may still have those, quietly. Uh, Amy in Indiana joins us on the program. Hi, Amy. How are you? Hey, Amy. She borrowed Frank's phone. Frank, apparently. yeah, <laughs> Frank from Ohio in the first turn. Call back, Aim. And call back. 
right. Uh, let me see. Anything else I need to mention? So we're going we're gonna to keep that poll question the rest of the hour, right, McLevin? Yes, against your will. I know you're sick of this debate. No, no, it's okay. It, I, I just don't like when people, and I, and I know it's one of those go-tos. Hey, who do you think's better, Jordan or uh, LeBron? Let me let LeBron be done with his career. In fairness to LeBron, let me wait. It's not going to change anybody's opinion. And I think it's, I, I still view, like LeBron is going to be underrated when it's all said and done because he's being compared to Michael Jordan. And we look at when you lose in the NBA Finals, somehow that's such a negative instead of getting your team there as many times as he has. Amy is back in Indiana. Amy, what happened? I don't know. I'm trying real hard. Okay. All right. What's on your mind, Amy? Okay. So my husband is super skilled in survival skills. He uh, carves wood. He built a cabin in the woods. He starts fires. Um, Now, I agree that man camp is not a good title for something to bring a dude out. But there's a technical term for survival skills that I don't think should be used either. And I, I don't want to seem naughty, but that technical term is bushcraft. Bushcraft. Yes. That's the technical term. Yes. It doesn't sound survivalist. Mm, well, bush country. Uh, but, well, thank you, Amy. I, I appreciate you helping us. Uh, we, we were talking about a man camp. Could you go to a man camp to teach you how to do things? I, if, if I was going to learn carpentry, because I was watching main cabin builders last night, and uh, they just make it look easy, and I couldn't do it, but I'd love to learn it. But that's what they, they, they grew up doing. That. They probably look at this and say they could never do this, but... You know, I've grown up doing this. Those guys, you know, when they bring out their, what is it, a miter saw? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Something like that. (laughs) I don't know how to do any of that stuff. But the best money I spend is when I spend it on somebody else doing a job for me. Yes, Eden. Right. So I think that, right, we should probably differentiate things a little bit because there are definitely camps where you can go out and like learn survival skills and Mm. they'll send you out into the woods for, you know, a weekend or a week or something and teach you how to, you know, build a shelter and a fire and stuff like that. I don't know of any man camps, though, that teach you how to like, you know, renovate your kitchen or something like that, though. That would be a unique one. I don't want to be in survival mode. I would like to better be ready. I'm already ready for that, (laughs) but I, I want to be in, I'd like to be able to do certain things. If you said you could learn plumbing, I could learn some carpentry. I could, I guess, car repair, do some things with that. I'd like to, I'd like to understand, you know, the electrical work because it always feels like I somehow get shocked and I never know why I get shocked. But, you know, when you have that fork and you put it in the outlet accidentally, you're going to get shocked. Just letting you know, Todd. Yes, Todd. Where would you, where would you want this? In a big air-conditioned conference room at the Ritz-Carlton? What would be your ideal setting to set up shop to learn carpentry or plumbing for your uh, optimum comfort? Just an old barn. Why do I have to be in a Marriott or something, a conference room? I know you, you're so down in the survival thing. So well, I no, I don't want to survive while I'm doing this. I just want to get out of my car, go to a barn and learn some carpentry stuff. I, I don't want to be going through barbed wire and, you know, putting face paint on and you know, being a Navy SEAL. Yeah, Paul. 
I got a buddy named Jesse up in Vermont, and he's a really good plumber. He really knows what he's doing. But if you ever ask him for help on plumbing th- needs at your house, he'll come over. All you got to do is provide some beer, and he'll walk you through it. But you have to do it. He'll stand there and say, hmm. you want to take this pipe and turn it off. Then you want to put this hose in. Then you want to do this. He'll make sure you don't screw it up. But I learn something when he does it. And all I got to do is buy like a 12-pack of beer. I think that's like the perfect thing. You have an expert walking you through it, but you have your hands on the equipment doing your best to learn it. Why is it when we want to impress somebody that the story is really true, true, we give the name? So you don't have a friend in Vermont. Right. You got a friend named Jesse in Vermont. He's, yeah, he's a heck of so a... So now you know that that is true. He's legit. You got a friend, Jesse. Yes, Eaton. That's the downside of being someone who uh, knows a trade or something, is that you always have somebody who's like, hey, can you come over and help me fix my uh, dryer? I got a squeak in there. And you're like, come on, dude. Like, I just got off work fixing dryers, and now I got to come over to your house and fix your dryer probably for free? It's no different than when I go out and then Thanks somebody the says... and beer, but I'm good. Hey, uh, I got... We settle a debate over here. I got a question for you. I'm like, I, look, I just, just did this. I don't need to do this right now, right? And then, you know, the car mechanic who comes home and then you're going, hey, uh, can you listen to this over here? Yeah. You know, I was just saying, gosh, I haven't looked at enough cars today. I was looking for one more. Yeah. Let me spend a couple hours over there. Let's put it up on the lift here. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. More phone calls coming up. We just got sidetracked, didn't we? I think it was Amy in Indiana who got us sidetracked there. Mike Florio will get us back on track here. We'll talk some football with him. It's 23 after the hour. Take a break here on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. He is the popular Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk Live, co-host, profootballtalk.com. Joining us from, uh, I believe, the barn in West Virginia. Are you handyman around the house there, Mike? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. No, no, no. My dad taught me at a young age that there are people out there who have families who rely upon the revenue that comes from fixing things, doing stuff. So stimulate the economy, help people keep their families, hire someone to do these things. Uh, Camps are opening up a little bit. Facilities are opening up, but this isn't universal here, Mike. Um, I'm surprised that the commissioner, is he going to say something about this? Or is there any unfair advantage with some of these teams having facilities open and other ones not? Well, this is the first moment where the NFL has reached a point of disparity, Dan. 22 teams or thereabouts are in a position where state and local governments will allow them to open. Not all of them are opening right away, and some of them may take a little while. But 10 teams or thereabouts can't open at all. And look, there are going to be many situations like this. If the NFL is intent on getting 256 regular season games played, there will be disparities. There will be competitive disadvantages. And the NFL is smoothing this one out by saying, No coaches are permitted at any team facility, but still, you've got teams that can fire up the lawnmower, get things rolling again, begin the process of planning for next year's draft, next year's free agency, have front office people there, have meetings, et cetera. And as we get closer and closer to the start of the season, Dan, I think we're going to see more of it. And the worst case scenario, and I think we have to be ready for it, some states where stadiums will be open and thus there will be a home field advantage, 
Other states where stadiums won't be open and teams will have no home field advantage. And I think that's unavoidable, but that's the the extreme example of where there will be disadvantages as the NFL tries to play this season. Which stadiums do you think will have fans this upcoming season? Well, I mean, look, and I'm trying to be apolitical here, but we have all been paying attention to the states where there is more commercial activity despite the pandemic. I think Florida, Georgia, Texas, those are states that I would point to and say it's likely that the stadiums will be open and the message will be, we know the risks, you know your health situation as well as anyone. If you want to come to the game, come to the game. If you think you're at risk, don't come to the game. And I think states like that are more likely to have stadiums open. California, New Jersey, states that are likely to not have stadiums open. And, and yes, there will be a disparity. And, uh, you know, teams will have to ask themselves, do we want to stay at home for the season and play in an empty stadium? Or do we want to go somewhere else where we could sell tickets? I mean, I don't know how robust the fan base is going to be if you move the 49ers to Arizona for the year. But that's part of it, too, because you could have some fans versus having no fans at all. But I think that's going to be one of the practical realities as we get deeper into the count. The NFL engineers and a sports equipment company, Oakley, are looking at surgical mask here or the N95 material for these guys to. Is that going to be under your face mask here is a possibility? Yeah, I don't know whether it's like a covering for the face mask. Remember that mask that Justin Tuck used to wear where yeah. it was so tight you couldn't even get a finger through it if you wanted to? I mean, will they paste it over top of that? Will be these? I think there'll be some players who say, I don't want that. I, I want my face mask. I don't want to have this thing where I'm going to have a hard time breathing. I'm not worried about getting the coronavirus. You're going to have some players who feel that way. You may have some players who want the extra protection. And then, of course, the guys who take the extra protection – are going to be targeted to have their faces spit on by opponents. I mean, we know how football players are. They're not going to, they're not going to, oh, bro, oh, well, we're going to respect the guy who's wearing the surgical mask. No, they're going to try to rip it off of his face and, and make him freak out because all's fair in football. At least that's going to be the mindset that some players have. So th- this to me is, uh, it's got the potential to go a lot of different ways, but we have to accept the fact that football players are still going to be football players. And if there's a guy out there wearing surgical mask material, there's going to be somebody else out there trying to rip it off of his face. Talking to Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live co-host with Chris Sims. I was wondering about this, Mike, as we looked at the schedule in those first four weeks, and I was given a heads up. Look at the first four weeks and see if there's a way. Are there going to be NFC, AFC matches? Are there interconference, interdivisional, location of all of those things? And I started to wonder, okay, if we took those first four weeks and we moved it to the back of the schedule there, if the NFL, would they, would they take that approach if it meant we would have a chance at fans in the stands? So we, we, you're going to postpone this and move it to the back, so that gives us an extra month to kind of figure this out. Uh, your thoughts on, on that approach here? Absolutely, Dan, absolutely. I think the NFL would explore delaying the start of the season, even if that means removing those first four weeks and tacking them on to the back end of the schedule if it allows from a political standpoint, not red state, blue state politics, I'm talking about working with the governors, working with the processes and the protocols behind the scenes to get people comfortable with taking the position, stadiums are open if you wanna show up. If that extra month makes enough of a difference that all stadiums will be open, I think the NFL is conducive to doing it. But Dan, on that point, something else I noticed in the schedule, I think it's been constructed where if, if they don't think delaying the first four weeks altogether 
would be beneficial. I think they are hell-bent on going forward with week one. When you look at all those great games, they're scheduled for week one. Go with week one and then take a step back and reassess. And if if something goes haywire, you can take the week two games. And all the teams that play in week two have buys the same week. You can push all those back into the bye weeks. Week three, week four, no divisional games. They can be wiped out or they can be tacked onto the back end. But I think if they do go forward with the schedule and without a delay based on, as you suggested, a full month to let stadiums open, it seems to me that they are ready to go week one and then they would be willing to take a step back and see if any adjustment is necessary based upon the consequences of playing a full slate of games. The Rooney rule uh, surfaced again, and now there's incentive for teams if they're going to interview minority candidates and maybe we improve your you know, draft stock or we give you an extra draft pick here. I wonder if this just came down to Eric Bieniemy not getting a head coaching job. And, and, you know, to get interviewed, and, and maybe it's just one of the points, but here he is, a great offensive coordinator with the best offense in football, and you have other people who are getting jobs here, and Eric Bieniemy did not get a job. If Eric Bieniemy gets the job, is the Rooney rule working? Well, I think it's one of the factors, Dan, that contributed to the critical mass that caused people to realize something needs to be done, both as to coaches and as to general managers. Something Coach Dungey told me yesterday, the broadcast of the draft this year was a key factor in this decision to make real changes because we saw the contrast, the players' homes, the general managers' homes. And that contrast, that that lack of diversity among coaches and front offices came through loudly and clearly now that we had cameras in the homes of so many of the coaches and the GMs that that actually was a major factor in pushing this forward. And I don't know which proposals are going to pass, but the idea of giving incentives, giving enhanced draft status – for teams that actually make minority hires. There's a lot of opposition to that. Coach Dungy is against it. I think the best move would be to table that one and allow for more discussion, more ideas, maybe other ways to address the problem, short of creating a reward, as Coach Dungy says, for doing the right thing. Yeah, I don't like the reward, and I agree with Tony that it sends the wrong message. I just hope that you get more minorities in coordinating positions. I think that's really the key. And getting, you know, if they're head coaching jobs in college or you become a coordinator and that ability to be able to then move up and become a head coach. Because Eric Bieniemy should be a head coach in the NFL and hopefully we'll get that opportunity. And I've said before, Mike, not every assistant coach coordinator deserves to be a head coach. You know, Romeo Cornell, I don't think was a head coach. I don't think Charlie Weiss was a head coach. There are certain personalities where you, you, you have to be ready for that. You can be a great coordinator. That doesn't make you a great coach. And I I think sometimes we get caught up in, oh, you got to give them a head coaching job. That doesn't mean that. And plus, I think with African-Americans, minorities, they have even more pressure to succeed because if they don't succeed, then it hurts the next one and it's going to hurt your chance to get another one. So it's a I mean, there's a lot there to unravel, but uh, I, I don't know if we have a great answer right now. Hey, Dan, one key area of focus that I think the NFL needs to really be looking at is the entry level dynamics. You got a lot of nepotism, you got a lot of cronyism, and you got teams that do not pay a living wage to the lowest level employees. That's a point Chris Sims made today on PFTOT because he was one of those 
low-level guys who was making peanuts in that first level job. Not everyone can say, sure, I'll work for nothing. Guys have families. Guys don't have football money in the bank like Chris Sims had. Guys don't have Phil Sims money as a fallback like Chris Sims had. You can't just say, sure, I'll work 18 hours a day for nothing if I got a family at home that I have to worry about. It eliminates a lot of guys that otherwise could be very good at that job. Maybe they need to pay more money on the way in the door and it will attract a more diverse group of candidates. Always great to talk to you, Michael. Thank you, buddy. All right, Dan. See you, pal. That's Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live, co-host with Chris Sims, also ProFootballTalk.com. We'll uh, extend the last call for phone calls coming up here, and we'll have the final results of the poll question. What we learn, what's in store tomorrow, this day in sports history. Of course, Todd's scoreboard. I don't think we have a winner yet. This could be a first. Mm. Maybe not a winner here, Toddler. We'll come back with, uh, what is it, 40 and 5 are the two 40 numbers. 40 and 5. We'll come back. Boy, that's a reason to come back. Todd's scoreboard. <laughs> come on. That's way to sell it. Thanks. Yeah, you've been kind of quiet on mock headlines, too. I'm waiting for that to come back. I got so banged around about it. We said Seton leading the charge of like, you know what? Why don't we do this never again? But I do need to... Uh, to do that. It's been quite a while. Okay, let's go around on. the room. Who votes never on Todd with Mock Never is a long time. I know. Never. McLovin, how are you voting on Todd's Mock Headlines? Never is too long. Okay. I feel that. How about the court. next four and a half years? <laughs> Seton, where do you stand on Mock Headlines? That's actually coincidentally, uh, the mock headlines thing is also Todd's scoreboard. It's we should allow it five times a year and no more than 40 <laughs> headlines per wow. segment. Did I get See, it? Is that a no? He really loves my mock headlines. I do he's love his mock my, headlines. He's always my yeah. biggest supporter. So that's why this yeah. is very strange. Oh, he he's leads you to slaughter. Come- he no, leads you to slaughter. He's like, no, that's Paulie no, no, no. that does that. Yeah, that's Paulie. I'm not the one that leads. I just want him to be better. I just want them to be better. Paulie, <laughs> where do you vote on my headlines with Todd? It would be like voting. Stopping my headlines would be like me voting to not see people fall on ice during the winter anymore. I don't want people to fall on ice and get injured. But right. man, I laugh my butt off when I see He's very it. honest. You got to respect that. Yeah. But I'm just trying to be Jordan to your Scotty Burrell. I'm just, I, you know, I try to make you better, Todd. I know, but, I, but we all know that I still to this day, after 18 years, I can't handle that. Unless you have something wonderful to say about the job I'm doing, I just I can't handle criticism, whether it's constructive or meant to be mean, snarky, sarcastic. I fall apart. I'm very sensitive and either have something nice to say or I don't want to hear. Should it. you be on the air? At all? Yeah. Meaning what? Like I don't bring anything to the table? even No, the no, the but hours? just the sensitivity. Well, that, but just the sensitivity. <laughs> Um, I walked into that one. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I can handle being on the air, but when, when I don't know, especially when it comes from you, it ruins my day. If you have anything less than wonderful, you know, bouquet of roses to throw. I know, in my but I, I, I just can't. It's so tiring. It's very immature on my part. I'm 50. You would think by now I would have figured out how to, you know, yes, Paul. compartmentalize. It's criticism. ironic, Dan, that you brought up constructive criticism. There was a, a, a clip of Bill Belichick, young Bill Belichick, that was tweeted out today just randomly. And Belichick says, quote, I don't know how you can improve unless you accept constructive criticism. I don't know how you can get any better, unquote. And it's just, it happened to be hosted by mm. Bill Belichick. Mm. And he was talking about Fritzy? Not specifically. Oh, he wasn't. Okay. I didn't know. And that. that's how you get stuck in mediocrity and bad mock headlines because you don't listen to advice and you, yes, think you got all the answers. I think Todd just summed it up. <laughs> 
same thing with the comedy. No, no, I'm good. I'm hilarious. I don't need to. Why would I need Adam Sandler or David Spade or anybody? To, That's what we got to try and figure out. Is Todd the crazy one or are we? Mm. I was just like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Or are we the crazy ones? We're like, no, do it better. I'm okay with slightly above average. for The, the fact that I was going to get Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider and David Spade to help you with your stand-up, and you said no. Oh, that would have been a good time there, Danny. But Fritchie thinks he's funnier than the rest of us. You don't want any blame, but you want all the credit. That's very well said. Thank you, Todd. I'm still to this day. I will say this. I know you got to go to break and we got to get my scoreboard and everything. But I will say that the opportunity to, to perform, if you could call it that, at the comedy store and Caroline's, thanks to you and the French kid. That was that's oh, how that was crazy. About, how about the opportunity to perform well at those places? <laughs> it would be nice. That would be an added bonus if I got an actual. Well, I wouldn't want to perform well at the <laughs> yeah. comedy He's store. Right. Soil my name and reputation. Yeah, yeah. you got to go to break now. Thank you, Todd. Back, thank you, Todd. Back after this. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Time to pick up your guitar and play, just like yesterday. Happy birthday to Pete Townsend, 75 today. Seton O'Connor, big fan of The Who. I'm sure you'll be cranking some Who songs. Maybe some Quadrophenia. Yeah, Squeezebox is a big one. In, uh, in you like Squeezebox? Do, we do like Squeezebox, yeah. When I was growing up, I had another idea of what Squeezebox was. And then I realized it's an accordion. Mama's got a Squeezebox. Daddy never sleeps at night. And I'm like, wait a minute here. Hello. Yeah, and then I think it's an accordion, the Squeezebox there. Whole. I'm disappointed with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, I know. I'm like, oh my God, it's an accordion. This is a who. Come on. You're not supposed to be singing about other things than an accordion. All right, uh, Fritzy, we have a winner. Neil in Connecticut. Fritzy's scoreboard challenge. The number's 40 and 5. Make it brief, Todd. All right. The clue for 40 is bad to the bone. All right. And the clue for 5 is mission impossible, question mark. Okay. You want to guess or you want me to just give you the answer? I want you to give me the answer. Okay, bad to the bone as in the bad boys. Bill Lambeer born on this date, May 19th, 1957. Mission Impossible was on Kevin Garnett wearing jersey number five, May 19th. Um, 19, I don't know why I wrote, oh, no, actually, May 19th, 1976, Kevin Garnett was born. I know he also wore number 21, but we went with the number five for the Celtics championship, 40 right. and five. Thank you, Todd. Neil I Connecticut. That was brief, really. Thank you. Neil in Connecticut is uh, the winner, and we have some T-shirts to give away. By the way, Chat Row T-shirts are available. Although the better T-shirt is the one with Penny, the house dog on it. And I might be, I might just order one, maybe just make one. And I'm going to have, it'll be one of one, the Penny T-shirt. That's a great T-shirt. All right, uh, McLovin, final results of the poll question. Who would you rather have as a teammate, MJ or LeBron? 53% MJ. Okay. Uh, Let me see. Uh, Dino in New York is back. Hi, Dino. What do you have for me today? Hey, DP. 59197. Mm Hmm? A great documentary I'd love to see would be the 77 and 78 Yankees, the Bronx (laughs) Zoo. Uh, You know, what a cast of characters, George, Billy, Reggie, Thurman, Sparky Lyle, Nettles. And there was a new fire to put out every single day, it seemed like. It it would be uh, really entertaining. And uh, one last thing, suck it, Seton. All right. Thank you, Dino. It feels like we've done the Bronx Zoo before. At least there was a book written on that. Yeah, McLevin. 
Yeah, they did a fictional series. Remember that? Oh, that's uh, right. Ten years ago? Yeah. On the Bronx, uh, based on that book. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple of football ones. The Cowboys with Jimmy and Jerry, I think, would be great. I think that would be a lot of fun. I don't know basketball-wise if we'd have anything that would... You can't imagine doing a documentary on a basketball team after what we just saw with the Bulls. But football-wise, you know, you could still do that. There's still tension between Jimmy and Jerry now. That would be fun. Dredge that up again. Go around the room. Frank Reich, the Colts head coach, will join. Frank, I think, is still... I think he's involved in the two greatest comebacks in college football and pro football history. Is that right? I think he was the quarterback at Maryland when they were down 31 points and came back to win. And then he was the quarterback with the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Oilers when they were down, were they down 35 points or something crazy like that in that game, that playoff game? Does that sound right, McLovin? Frank Reich, I think, has been the quarterback of the two greatest comebacks. And maybe somebody has surpassed that with, uh, with college football. I don't know. Uh, Chip Kelly from the UCLA Bruins will join us as well. Fritzy, what did you learn today? It's a positive sign that we're not getting more speculation from the NBA as to when they're coming back. I think it is that we haven't heard anything, and I think that's a good thing. And uh, we had Woj on, and he says maybe Orlando is going to be the destination. Maybe you have Las Vegas and Orlando for the West Coast teams and the East Coast teams when they start the playoffs. Where do you play the championship? Uh, that The NBA Finals, probably on Orlando. McLovin, what did you learn? Uh, Sean Casey is not great at guitar. <laughs> it's all about trying, McLovin. Seton O'Connor. I learned there's a slight window of possibility that every single Michael Jordan conspiracy theory for that night is true. <laughs> he, maybe he was in Vegas and at Robert Redford's and ate the pizza. With five guys. Paulie, what'd you learn? Sean Casey, former Major League Baseball player. Now his career is over. He's getting in great shape. What we learned brought to you by Traeger. They want to help make this summer the tastiest one ever. Real wood-fired flavor, next-level versatility, six-in-one versatility. Contact your local dealer or go to TraegerGirls.com slash show to get yours today. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you tomorrow. Dan Patrick Show.